I know it's Labor Day weekend, and everybody's got plans, and everybody's going to do something, and I was kind of worried the church was going to be empty this morning, but praise God it's not. Have you ever tried to preach to yourself? Not only is it hard, it's weird. You ever look at yourself and talk to yourself in the mirror? You hope nobody walks in, right? Well, we're finishing up our series entitled Battle, and we've been talking the last four weeks about battling and and how there's always something we're going to be battling here on this earth. As long as we're here on this planet, we're going to be battling something. You know, the the lie of bad doctrine and the lie of of confused people is is that when you get saved, you all of a sudden take on this problem-free life, right? How many of you were saved under that kind of thinking? That once you're saved, everything's peaches and creams. Right? And it may be for a little while because I believe there's a certain amount of grace that God gives us right when we're saved. Right? Come on. As soon as you're saved, what do you do? You go to Walmart and you pray for the first parking spot there is. And what do you, you get it? Right? Come on. When you're first saved and you first give your life to Jesus, it seems like everything's going your way. And I believe that's just the grace of God somehow. That he just pours that out on us. But I, I don't know if it's a month or two months, but... So, It's almost like a honeymoon. Sooner or later, it's over with. And sooner or later, you got to take action or responsibility for what you're doing, right? And what's the first thing that happens to a Christian who's who's saved under that kind of thinking that once you're saved, everything's perfect and fine, is that as soon as something breaks bad in your life, you turn your back against God, right? You start getting angry at God, like it's his fault. He's going, I didn't lie to you. If you would read the Bible, it would tell you that you're not going to have a problem-free life. If you'd read your Bible, Jesus, you'd read the part where Jesus said, all hell's going to break loose against you as soon as I leave this planet. He said, in fact, the things that I go through, you're going to go through even worse. So we began this series by by convincing you or, or speaking the truth to you about who you are in Christ, that when you give your life to Christ, when you make a decision in faith, the Bible says that you are made right with God. Religion says that you have to earn it. Religion says you have to do all these good deeds and you got to work for it and you got to work for God's pleasing. Amen? Just like you would be working for your boss. That the more you work for God, the better off your life's going to be. That's a lie. Because none of us can earn it. None of us can work hard enough for it. None of us have that much much perseverance or that endurance to work the rest of our lives hoping that God's going to love us. Praise God that when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, he gave us an opportunity to be made right with God. Because you see, if you can do it by works, then Jesus didn't need to die on the cross. So when you, we started the whole series with this, that you are made right with God when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Period. You're made right with God. That means that you have right standing with God. That means that you and him are okay. So what does that mean? That means that when all hell breaks loose in your life, when everything starts coming against you, does that mean that all of a sudden you're not made right with God anymore? No. That means that you're still made right with God. It's just now you're going to have to put some pressure and you're going to have to be responsible for your actions and you're going to have to take action. Amen? When things break loose in your life, you've got two choices, either roll over and die or fight. 
Come on. Anybody ever rolled over and died before? I have. God came and rescued me. Come on, you big teddy bear. Save you again. In the second week, we talked about how we battle with the flesh and how the flesh speaks to us, right? Come on, you know your flesh speaks. What, what's your addiction? Everybody knows my business. I put it on the street every Sunday, right? One day we're going to have a you tell all service because I'm getting tired of putting my business on the street. It's time to hear yours. But there's something that always calls our name, right? It may be Marlboro. It may be Bud Light. It may not even have a legal name. It may be Bluebell. I'm serious. It may be Popeyes. Something calls our name, right? And what does our flesh say? Oh, man. If I could just have mm -mm -mm, a big bowl of Bluebell. Man, I deserve one. You know, I had a, that's what my flesh tells me. You deserve one. You had a rough week. Shat baby. And you know what I do every time the flesh just the flesh starts talking to me like that? I just kind of go, yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, I did. Boy, I had a hard week. A good bowl of bluebell. Oh, that would take all the pain. Yours may not be bluebell, but it may be a, a drag on a cigarette. Come on. You're fighting the flesh, Right? So we talked about how the flesh speaks on the second week. And the third week, last week, we talked about how the world speaks. I taught you that the Bible says that the world, this world is under the control of the evil one. In other words, the devil controls this world. Some translations say that the world is under the sway of the enemy. Follow me? And Jesus said in the Bible, he says, do not love this world or the things of this world. If you have the love of the world in you, then you do not have the love of the Father in you. He's saying, don't let these things in this world overcome you and take my place in your life. That's your treasures. It may be your job. It may be your house. It may be your toys. It may be a friendship or a relationship. What is it? It may be your image, your reputation. You might let all kinds of things come before God. And he's saying, don't let those things come before me. Remember, we serve a jealous God, right? That's what the Bible says. And even in the Ten Commandments, it says, make no idols before me. We can't fall in love with this world. Can we be in this world? Yes. It ain't time to leave yet. Can we have nice things? Yes. I believe that God wants to bless his children. I believe he just doesn't want the blessings to become a curse. Amen? Listen, I've seen the blessings of God in my life become more important than God. You see, we're always battling something, right? Our key verse for this whole series has been Romans 8, 8. It says that that's why those who are still under the control of their flesh can never please God. We want to please God, don't we? I said, we want to please God, don't we? You see, I'm going to preach as good as you say amen. <laughs> okay, let's pray. It's time to go home. Go with me to John chapter 8. 
Today we're talking about Satan. We're talking about the devil. You won't hear me preach too many messages on the devil or Satan because I just don't like to give him too much time. But I do believe we need to be fully aware and full in understanding that there is an enemy. Amen? His name is Satan. His name is devil. His name is Lucifer. That's his name. In fact, the first time we hear about the devil in the Bible, he's, in, he's represented as what? A snake. So the first time you met the devil, he's a snake. Isn't that funny? The first time God decides to talk about the devil in the Bible, he calls him a snake. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus was talking to some people who were arguing over who's their father and who's not their father and these things, and he's trying to, trying to preach some truth to them and set them free. And we pick it up in verse 44, John 8, 44, he says, For you are the children of your father, the devil. <gasps> Jesus said that? Yep, Jesus said that. And you love to do the evil things he does. He's talking about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Wow. That's my introduction to you with the devil. He's a liar. Cannot. Cannot tell the truth. It's not part of his character. You see... Satan was kicked out of heaven because of his character. Are you with me? His character didn't change when he got kicked out. It's still the same. He's the father of lies. All he can do is lie. Every word that comes out of his mouth is a lie. He'll even take scripture and make it a lie. I'm going to prove that to you in a little while. So he's a liar. So when, when the enemy speaks to you, you need to understand and recognize that he is lying. You know how it is when you have relational issues with other people. What does the devil tell you? They've never liked you from the beginning. They always thought you were fat. They really didn't like your new hairdo. They just said that because they were trying to be nice. Come on. They lied. That dress don't make you look skinny. You ever hear them voices? Something bad's going on in your life and you're under pressure and, and some, maybe some people have hurt you and you've hurt some other people. You know what that does? Let me, tell you, let me start it by this. The Bible says that you should not let the sun go down on your anger or on your wrath. But before the sun goes down, you should go to your brother. If you have ought against your brother, you should go to him and settle it. You know why? Because the liar's coming and he's going to speak to you, and he's going to speak to them, and he's going to tell you it's this way, and he's going to tell them it's this way, so that way when you get together, you're going to be like two dogs that don't like each other, and you're just going to fight, and there'll never be unity. Amen? He's the father of lies. He cannot tell the truth. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. My goal today is not to make you afraid of the enemy. It's not to get you in a place where you're scared and you're fearful. And Because if you're fearful, then you don't have faith. Amen? 
we're not supposed to be scared of the enemy. Remember, Jesus died on the cross to give us victory over the enemy. Come on. You already have victory. That's what the Bible says in Romans. You've already been given victory. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave us victory over the enemy and over our sinful flesh or our flesh. That's already been done. The lesson I'm teaching you today is that we've got to learn how to keep overcoming our flesh. You can't let the flesh rise up and come against you. You can't let it come back against you. You've got to keep the flesh where it belongs. Keep the enemy where he belongs. Amen? Genesis chapter 3, our first introduction to the, to the devil. It says, in verse 1, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day... He asked the woman, did, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? You need, to, you need to catch something here. He always starts with a question. He's always questioning what God has spoken into your life. You ever want to know the difference between God and the devil? Is he confirming what he already spoke or is he questioning what somebody already spoke? Are you hearing me? When God gives you a word, he's not going to come back to you and question that word. Amen? Only the devil will. So if you hear a voice and it says, did God really say move to Eunice? Well, did he? I ate pizza that night, but I think it was God. Are you hearing me? He always starts with a question. I believe that's the reason he got kicked out of heaven because he was questioning God. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Satan knew what God said. He already knew that God said you can't eat of a certain tree in the garden. But he's questioning it. You see in this. Verse 2. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or touch it. If you do, you will die. Watch this. You won't die. You're not going to die. That's Satan's response to what God said. You're not going to die. Another case of beer ain't going to kill you. Mm. One more cigarette ain't going to give you lung cancer. <laughs> Your pants will still fit after one more bowl of ice cream. <laughs> you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. You see the trickery. You see how he just pulled the wool over their eyes. Now, the Bible says Adam's present during this time. So it's not just Eve that he fooled, it's Adam. And my question has always been is, where was Adam? He should have had his foot on a snake's head. On a side note, men, that's a call for us to rise up and lead our families the way we're supposed to lead them. Because let me tell you something, the serpent's always trying to speak to your wife. And he's always trying to come after your children. The question is, is who's letting him in the house? The 
Things break down in my house, I take full responsibility. Amen? So you're starting to see how the enemy speaks. He always questions what God wants to do and what God has said. Go with me to Matthew chapter 4. Well, it's been four weeks. I'm starting to hear Bibles turning. That's good stuff. Jesus had a run-in with the devil. Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Now watch this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God is fully aware that you're going to be tempted. Sometimes he might allow you to get into a place where you are tempted. Just to see how you're going to respond. Come on. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, here goes those questions again. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. He starts questioning Jesus's authority. He starts questioning Jesus's power. Do you know that the enemy's constantly questioning your authority and your power? You know, the reason the church isn't risen up and strong as it should be is because the enemy keeps questioning your authority and your power in this world. And you just keep saying, well, maybe I don't have that kind of authority. Maybe I don't have that kind of power. When the whole time the Bible's saying that you're my ambassador to this world. When God looks at you, he sees a son who's supposed to be here taking care of a responsibility. And what is that responsibility? To build the kingdom of God. That's why I constantly tell you that you're the most powerful people on the planet. And Lord, help us when we realize it. Lord, help Eunice when we realize that we're the most powerful people on the planet. We have more authority than the president. If you are the son of God, Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, there's a valuable lesson right there. Jesus confronted the enemy with the truth. He confronted the devil with the truth. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, come on, the enemy, he's quoting scripture. He will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. The Bible says that Jesus is the word of God, right? So Jesus is this word. For us as believers, we're not this word. But the Bible says that we're supposed to meditate on this word day and night. Do not let it depart from your mouth. Why? Not so that you can quote scripture to other believers and, 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 and puff yourself up and make people see that you're super spiritual. No. It's so that you've got a weapon to fight against the enemy with. 
Listen to me, the devil quotes scripture. That's one of his weapons. Are you seeing this? He will quote scripture and mess you up if you're not strong in the word. Come on, we need to be people of the word. We need to put that word deep down in our hearts. Because you can't carry this to the swimming pool. It don't fit in your bikini. Lord, help you. (laughs) But you can carry it right here. Come on. It doesn't need to be right here. It needs to be right here. You know what the difference is between here and here? It's more than 12 inches. It's here you only have head knowledge. When you got the word of God here, you have experiences with God. It's here. It's not going nowhere. You can lose it here, but you can't lose it here. When the word of God gets here, not only have you read it, not only has it been here, but now it's here and it's not leaving. That's why the word says to hide his word in your heart that you might not sin against him. We need to hide God's word in our heart. I remember when I used to, I used to work for another company. I'd run cranes. I had, I had me a, a, little, a little packet, and me and my buddy, we used to call it our pocket knife, you know, because the Bible's the sword, right? So I had a little packet of scriptures. I called it my pocket knife. I thought that was kind of funny. So anyway, I would carry it with me all the time. I'd be in the carbon black plants. I'd be at the sugar mills. It'd be all stinky and nasty, and I'm sitting on a crane or I'm, I'm sitting on a piece of equipment. If I had any kind of downtime, I was memorizing scripture. Why? Because if I was just sitting there and I didn't have my pocket knife, only God knows what I'd have been thinking about. Come on. But I took advantage of every opportunity to hide God's word in my heart. Are you with me? Jesus fought back with scripture. He fought back with the truth, and that's our weapon. Come on. Verse 8. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. Look at what he says. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. (laughs) Jesus has enough. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Jesus recognized that the enemy had tried to pull that once before. That's the reason he got kicked out of heaven. Because he wanted people to worship him and not God. Amen? So the enemy's a liar. He's the father of lies. He can't speak the truth. The first time we see him, he's a snake. The Bible says that he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know why I told you to be intentional for the tithe message? You know the reason I brought up the whole thing that, that if you're not intentional, something's going to come by and steal it? Because there's a lion walking around, roaring, looking for somebody to devour. If you don't believe that, let your guard down. I'll even say it this way. If you don't believe that, quit going to church. And see if he don't jump on you. (laughs) 
The good news is, is that just as much as he's walking around looking for somebody to devour, the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. Come on, that's the good news. We already have victory. That's what the word says. The truth is we already have the victory. And we have the spirit of God living inside of us. So we don't have to succumb to the devil. We don't have to fall into his temptations. We can say no and we can resist like the Bible says and he will flee. In other words, he's going to take off running from us. Oh, this must be good. I'm quiet. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Exercise your Bible today. Ephesians chapter 6. Starting at verse 11. We can go to 10. I want to show you the armor of God, the whole armor of God. He's given us an armor. I don't know if you are aware of that. He's given us an armor. He's given us weapons. He's given us shields. He's given us everything we need to overcome the devil. Ephesians 6 verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you, might, you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You're not fighting against flesh and blood. So stop taking your fight against somebody else. Come on. It's not a flesh and blood battle. It's a spiritual battle that goes on in the spiritual realms. The cool thing about Jesus is that the the years he spent on this planet, he walked through his life and went through everything that is known to man, but he never looked like it. Until you see him in the garden. That's the first time he ever shows any kind of emotion or struggle is in the garden. He knew that he had everything he needed to stand against the enemy. And he stood. And some of us, especially me, we like to let other people know when we're going through something difficult. Let me let me let you in on something. I just can't help myself. I, that's been a habit of mine. Every Sunday I got to say something. I like to be tad-tad. I feel better already just because I've confessed that finally. I really do. Listen, when I get sick, it's very rare that I get sick. But when I do get sick, my wife hates it. I'm the biggest baby in the house. Baby, can you give me a Sprite? I can hear her walking. Is your legs broken? Can you give me a blanket? Come on, I love to be tat-tat. I love to let other people know when I'm going through something hard so they feel sorry for me. So what I'm saying is the next time you hear me complaining, just tell me, shut up. Okay. Shut up, Pastor. I don't want to hear it. I'll go find somebody else. Verse 13, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Come on. After the battle, you will still be standing firm. 
Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's, God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the, of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Wow. So what does that look like? Let's break down the armor for a second. The armor of God looks like a belt of truth. What does a belt do? A belt keeps all your business where it belongs, right? Come on. Thank God for belts. Can I get an amen? You better say amen and I got a belt on. Because my stomach doesn't, never mind. The belt of truth. In other words, you need something that's going to support you. Something that's going to help you stand up straight. And that is the truth. You need to know the truth. Why? Because it brings support. It keeps everything where it belongs. Come on. You need to know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you can't identify the lie. Then it says you need the body armor of God's righteousness. That means that you need to remember that you've been made right with God. That's the reason I put that in this message, was so that you would always remember that you are made right with God because of your faith in Jesus, not because of your actions, because one day you will blow it. I said one day you will blow it. It might be this afternoon. Some of you blew it on the, we're just trying to get to church this morning. Come on. You got to know who you are in Christ and you got to remember that because you got an enemy that's constantly trying to, he's constantly trying to, to confuse you and to bring dissension and division between you and God. He's constantly trying to convince you that God doesn't love you anymore. Is that the truth? He's constantly telling me that God's mad at me. And God's sitting there going, I know you don't believe that. That's your body armor. That protects your body. Are you, are you hearing this? Is that you've been made right with God. It's the righteousness of God. He says, then put on shoes of peace. That comes from the good news. You know how you have peace is when you have the good news. You want peace in your life? You need to get some good news. The good news. Because you know how it is. When, when things break apart in your life, it seems like gloom and doom, right? And there's no peace. You get anxiety. You get stress. You get all worked up. You can't sleep at night. I had something going on the other night. I tried to go to bed, and I do this every time. I think that I can go to bed. I try to convince myself, oh, well, I don't have to deal with it. I can just go to sleep. I'll sleep. I even try to take a melatonin. You know what a melatonin? That's a natural drug. To help you sleep. I take them before I make pours at night when I got to go to bed at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'll even try to take that to go to sleep. And I'm laying in bed knowing that I need to get up and deal with something. And it, it, it never fails. It's always past 11 o'clock. For some reason, I'm so bullheaded, I'll stay there till 11 o'clock before I'll get up and start praying and asking God about it. And dealing with it in the spiritual realm. Before it gets to the natural realm. Are you hearing me? 
Peace comes from good news. Then he says to take the shield of faith. You know what know a shield does? A shield protects you from things, from the fiery darts of the enemy. You want to you stand against the enemy's whispering and his speaking into your ear and telling you lies? You need to have a shield of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The only way you're going to get faith is when you hear the word of God. Come on. You can't get faith at Walmart or Circle K or Valero, they don't sell it on the shelves. You got to go get it. Where do you get it? In the Word, at church, in Bible studies. Come on. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is your shield. You know what that means? That means when the enemy's telling you, you're never going to make it. This is the end. Nobody loves you anymore. That's a lie. God loves me. And you're lying to me. I know people love me. We not. We might not like each other right now. Come on, you can say that with your spouse. Sometimes I look at my wife and I say, "Do you still love me?" She says, "Yes." I said, "But do you like me?" I'm working on that. Faith is your shield. When the enemy comes against you, boom, boom. No. That's not the truth. That's faith. A mature believer should be walking in faith. Come on. You getting something yet? This says the helmet of salvation. Knowing that you're saved and knowing how you're saved protects your mind. Amen. It helps you to see clearly. It helps you to understand things right. You got to protect your mind. Guard your mind. That's why you need to be careful what you watch, what you listen to, who you listen to. Helmet of salvation. And then he says, your weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How do you fight the devil? With the word of God. I wish I could hit him. Sometimes I wish he would manifest in something I could hit. Don't you? I mean, seriously, just, Lord, give me 10 minutes. Put that sucker in the flesh, give me 10 minutes. No, I need five, Lord, just give me five. Five minutes alone with this sucker in the room. I'm starting to get understanding that I can't hit him. I can bust his nose. I can knock him out. It's just done in the spirit, in the spiritual realm. You hearing me? Too many times I've tried to punch on people thinking that they were the devil, and the whole time they wasn't. It was just a spirit. So your sword is your, is the, your sword of the spirit is the word of God. So let me wrap all this up. You're going to battle as a believer. You need to know and understand that, that your days will be spent battling. Your greatest enemy is your flesh. I said your greatest enemy is your flesh. 
That's why the key verse for this whole thing has been that those who are led by their sinful nature can never please God. You can't please God if you're led by the flesh. You only please God when you're led by the Spirit. Are you hearing me? Romans 8, 12. I'm give you two more verses. Paul says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your flesh or your sinful nature urges you to do. In other words, you're not obligated to your flesh. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, your contract with your flesh has been voided. Come on, I said it's been voided. It's been canceled. Are you hearing me? You have no obligation to do what your flesh says to do. I don't care how bad it cries. Are you hearing me? Just this year, I've I've come to know two people who have been severely addicted to things in their life. And they've gone to to councils, they've gone to AAs and all these other things. And and, and, and in all these meetings, they're, they're professional at telling you how bad your addiction is. You follow me? They'll say like an alcohol addiction is like 50,000 times worse than just being hungry. And a crack addiction is worse than that. And I go, that's good. I'm glad you got that kind of information. But it still does not void God's word when God's word says that you have no obligation to the flesh. I don't care how bad alcohol is. I don't care how bad drugs are. I don't care how much you love food and you live in South Louisiana. You have no obligation to the flesh. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature or your flesh, you will live. That's a promise. That's a promise that he gives us that if we'll put to death the deeds of the flesh, we'll live. And I don't believe we'll just survive. I believe we're going to live, truly live. Amen? How many of you want to truly live? Romans 12, 1 says this, 1 and 2. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to, to worship God. Verse 2, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Watch this. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We've got to change the way we think. We've got to remember. The first way you change the way you think is remember who you are in Christ. Remember who your enemy is. The flesh, the world, and the devil. It's actually not the world. It's the love of the world. Are you hearing me? That's your enemy. And you need to know when your enemy is coming against you, right? The good news is is you've been given everything you need to stand. Jesus Christ already canceled sin's power over your life. So that the Bible says so that you may live a life for God. The choice is yours. And we can all make that choice. Amen? We can all make the right choice. Would you stand up with me this morning?
sang that song this morning, there's power in the name of Jesus. I hope that's not just a lyric to a song for you. I hope that you truly understand that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Talked to a lady one time, she came in here and it's funny how people are sometimes. She come in here and hadn't seen her before and she she said, Pastor, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. I'm about to kill myself. I looked at her and said, you need to. She was kind of like, huh? I said, you need to die. And you need to let Jesus take over your life. I got this crack addiction and I can't get rid of it. What do I do? I said, you call on the name of Jesus. What does that mean? I said, this is what that means. This is very practical. This is a two-second counseling session. I said, this is very practical. Before you call your crack dealer, call on Jesus. Before you listen to your flesh, call on Jesus. Come on. Before you pop off and say the thing that you really don't want to say, Call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. If you don't call on Jesus, you can't get mad at him for not helping you, right? Well, you wasn't there. Oh, yeah, I was here. You just didn't ask for help. There's a verse at the end of one of those, those scriptures I read to you in, in Ephesians chapter 6. Let me give this to you real quick. Verse 17 said to put on the salvation, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Watch this next verse. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. For all believers everywhere. We need to constantly be praying for ourselves and constantly be praying for other people. Come on, when you hear gossip or news, whatever you want to call it, that somebody's going through something, you don't need to spread it. You need to pray for it. Amen? He says constantly pray in the Spirit. You need to be led by the Spirit and not your flesh. How how do you stay in the Spirit? Good question. You continually pray. Your prayer time is not a one-moment thing during the day in your closet at home. Your prayer time is all day long. It's your life. Amen? You should constantly be in prayer. Any moment, any time, you just, it goes. If you're filled with God's Spirit, you need to be praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit like he said. Why? Because the Bible says that it builds your body up. Pray in the Spirit constantly without ceasing. I got a good friend of mine. He went through something a couple weeks ago and he had to sit in front of this lawyer and this lawyer just kept asking him questions and questions and questions and questions. Trying to get him to slip up and say something wrong. My friend, he's a big guy like me and he's got a temper just like mine and 
and he can fly off the handle just as fast as I can. And he looked at me and said, bro, I prayed in tongues the whole two and a half hours I sat in there and he grilled me with questions. I said, did you overcome? Did you lose it on him? Nope. Man, praise God for him. (laughs) I said, he needs to be thankful you were in the spirit. Amen. Pray without ceasing. Remember, I always say this, you're as close to God as you want to be. Lift your hands towards heaven right now. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord. We want to be people led by your spirit. Father, we don't want to give in to the flesh. We don't want to give in to this world. We don't want to give in to the devil. Lord, help us to put on your whole armor and keep it on, Lord. Help us to live with your armor on, Lord. Help us to do like Ephesians says, is to constantly be praying in the spirit and pray on every occasion, Lord. Help us to overcome this flesh, Lord, the sinful nature, that we would please you and bring honor and glory to your name. And Father, no matter what breaks loose in our lives, Lord, we'll always bring honor and glory to your name. Whether people come against us and they say things in front of us or behind us, we'll always give glory and honor to your name, Lord. Father, for those of us who are struggling seriously with some addictions and some things that we just have a hard time putting down. Help us to call on you, Jesus, before we call on that thing. Help us to be people that quickly call on Jesus to bring you honor and glory. Lord, help us to be a victorious people. Help us to honor you, Jesus, for what you've done to give us that victory. We love you and we bless you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Seal it upon our hearts. Help us to walk in it in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. God bless you. I know this was a tough series. It was a very in-your-face kind of series. But listen to me. I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to offend you. I don't really stay awake at night concerned if you like me or not. Amen? I'm here to please God, not you. So I'm going to tell you the truth because I really do want you to be victorious. Look at the person next to you. Give them a big hug and a high five. Say, man, I'm glad you came to church today. I look forward to seeing you next week. Ladies, if you, have, if you have any questions or you want to pay for your books or anything, you can see Taj. Taj, wave your hand real quick. You can see Taj for the, for the ladies' Bible study. If you have any questions or concerns, have a great week. We love you. God bless you.